This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to the Letter from the Bureau. This is a new series, a part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel, which we are refreshing with new content. I'm your host, ST's foreign editor, Bhagyashree Karika. Now, the Letter from the Bureau is meant to be a detour, sometimes a scenic detour, from the raging news of the day. We will talk about life as it goes on, amid and in spite of the headlines of the day. I will be chatting each month with one of ST's 30-odd correspondents in 15 cities across the Asia-Pacific, the US and Europe. And they will share with you some of the more interesting things they are reporting on from their countries. In our first episode, we speak to Rohini Mohan. Rohini is ST's India correspondent based in Bangalore. Welcome to the show, Rohini. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Well, this is a pretty tough moment for India, and it's recording the highest COVID-19 cases anywhere in the world. But you were able to get away, I think, from one of the hotspots, or was that earlier in, in the phase of things, when you went to this place that you've described in your column as a little Singapore in India. Is that true? I was actually reporting on the Tamil Nadu election that was uh, held in April, on April 3rd and I was traveling around the state to meet people for elections actually and um, attend some of the smaller rallies that were held because of COVID-19 and I actually stumbled upon this story. I always knew that there is a little place, uh, there are some districts around uh, Trichy in Tamil Nadu from where a lot of people go to Singapore to work and that a lot of the Singaporean Indian origin citizens are from this part of the state. So when I was asking around, I didn't realize how widespread it is actually. A lot of people were talking about uh, Singapore so much, ideas of how COVID-19 is being controlled in Singapore and how they could try that out in their villages. So these are parts just uh, one hour, one and a half hours around Trichy. And uh, a lot of the people there had relatives, uh, close relatives who were citizens in Singapore or were working there. Some of them had come back. And so I decided to do that as both a COVID story, but also a story that is connected, uh, that is always for years connected India and Singapore. Uh, okay, Rohini. So you mentioned Trichy. I think our uh, listeners possibly are more familiar with Chennai. How far is Trichy from Chennai? Trichy is actually uh, about six hours from Chennai. It's a very old town. Uh, colonial uh, setup was also there earlier. The British colonial uh, empire had also set up lots of offices there. It's also a well-known industrial town in Tamil Nadu. Uh, it's a very uh, modern but also a historical place for uh, a lot of Tamils and uh, you can see that uh, even now there is actually even one uh, cigar factory that still sends cigars to the UK which was I think earlier used by Churchill. So it's one of those places that's very well established, known for universities that are set up there uh, and also lots of industries. Okay, that sounds really quaint. So does it look like Singapore too? <laughs> Not at all. It has no resemblance to Singapore at all. It actually looks very much like a Tamil Nadu town. Uh, a lot of the villages there, are uh, they grow paddy, they grow peanut. Uh, and actually, it's physically nothing at all like Singapore. But there are houses that people have built 
uh, from their savings that they have had by working in Singapore. And those houses do resemble the, some of the two-storied houses that are there in Singapore that I've seen, I think, when I traveled there some years ago. They also have two-wheelers and uh, four-wheelers. More numbers of them have it than in some of the other parts of the country or definitely across Tamil Nadu because more of them are well off. More women are well-educated uh, in you know, their postgraduates because more of them can afford this. So it's, I would say, culturally and socially more forward thinking and more progressive. Perhaps it's a connection to Singapore. Perhaps it's also a connection to because many of them are landed and many of them have done well over the years. And this could all have contributed some of the more progressive ways in which people live here. Okay, so I recall that, uh, you know, you've said that almost every family there has a member somebody who's working in Singapore and possibly has family members who are in Singapore. Uh, did you meet some people like that during your trip? The first person I met there was actually someone who ran a metalworks shop and he had lived for over 25 years in Singapore uh, and he was an accountant in a construction company. His sister is a citizen in Singapore and, and the rest of her family. He had just come back to take care of his mother in the village. There were other people in that room. They were having a meeting uh, about how to improve farm produce in the area, organic farm produce, and send it to Singapore. And some of the others were people who had big farms in that area, in Pudukote, Ullikote, Manargudi, these areas, which are all near Trichy. And they had family uh, in Singapore who were also citizens. And so they were very well-versed with you know the layout of Singapore, very well-versed with different companies there and they were talking about it and some of them still run construction companies there they one of them ran a restaurant uh, his son was a citizen some uh, other people there were also running astrology services and there were others who were coming in and going these were people who were migrant workers who worked in the construction sites or in shops in little india there were some others who were site superintendents who were visiting home to see their family, but they actually will go back to work and they'd work there for 10, 15 years in Singapore. So it was a different levels of connection. There were lots of women that I met who were either young women who were either studying or getting ready to be married off to somebody who lives in Singapore. So the connection is endless. Okay, that's really interesting. I think you said one of your interviewees was someone, a little child uh, named Lee Kuan Yew, after Singapore's first prime minister. Now tell us, how did he come to have that name? So Lee Kuan Yew Jay Prakash, that's his name. His father is a government bus driver in this place called uh, Manarguri. And he was actually going to see his wife who was in labor in the hospital. And this was uh, in March 2015, and he was rushing to the hospital when he got stuck in a silent procession for Mr. Lee Kuan Yew. And that was the day he had died and people were having a memorial service. He heard speeches from Tamil origin people, Tamilians there, about how much the Singapore that Lee Kuan Yew had built has actually affected and impacted and improved their own lives. See, he seemed to be really 
affected by this. He was very touched. And by the time he reached the hospital, he had decided to name his child Lee Kuan Yew. His wife was not pleased because it's not an easy name for her who speaks only Tamil to say. But over the years, she's grown to love that name and she calls her son Lee Kuan Yew like a single word, you know, like as if it's a Tamil Lee Kuan Yew, she would call like that. And I could, I could hear his grandmother also say Lee or Lee Kuan Yew. And it was something that, you know, everybody on the street was calling him that. He's pretty famous, the little six-year-old because uh, he represents all the aspiration that everyone there has. It's also a practice, actually, that a lot of Tamilians name their children after famous and aspirational people. And as uh, Jay Prakash, his father said, that if you name a child after a great man, he has a greater chance at greatness. That's interesting, and I hope it's true as well. So, Rohini, how far away is this town that little Lee Kuan Yew is in? How far away from Chennai, for instance? From Chennai, Manarguri is, I would say, seven hours, but uh, it's easier to go. What I did was fly from Chennai to Trichy. There is an international airport in Trichy. And from Trichy, it's about an hour, just a little over an hour. And uh, everyone knows Manarguri to be a famous place because it's the place from where Jayalalitha, a former chief minister of Tamil Nadu, her best friend and confidant, who is now running the party, she is from. It's not, it doesn't have great appeal, the name itself, but it's a place where a lot of people who travel to Singapore to work live in. Okay, Rohini, you say in your column, you know, that this town's love affair with Singapore that you've described so well, uh, it's become something of a separation anxiety now. Uh, Why is that? Since the pandemic hit the world, people who were not at home and were living abroad, working or living uh, with other family, have found themselves in limbo because they didn't know whether they should stay back. For example, someone in Singapore who's from Tamil Nadu didn't know whether they should just stay there or take uh, leave and come back home. Many of them couldn't also decide because the flights were stopped between countries. It was also required from them to stay for long quarantine periods in both countries. They also, many of them, lost their jobs or had salary cuts and therefore couldn't afford these flights. Many of the flights that they could only sign up for were those that were run by, say, for India, the Indian Airlines, which was running evacuation flights. So many of the people that I met in Pudukote, Manargudi, and around Trichy were those who had been actually working in Singapore and had come back to either see family or because they'd lost their jobs or because they were tired of being in quarantine back to back with, you know, 14, 15 people in the room. And as soon as they got well or someone else around them got well and they, they just booked uh, a flight and came back. Some people had already been back home for a small holiday and couldn't go back because the flight services were either too expensive or they were just cancelled. So I, I met lots of people like that. There was, for example, one person called Indrajit Virakumar who stayed for a long time and then he saw people one after the other in his dormitory fall sick and he got really scared. And finally, when he got a recovered certificate from the authorities in Singapore, he quickly applied for a spot on the flight that was uh, evacuating Indians and he came back to his village. And now in his village, he's trying to find a job. From there, he's trying to apply to go back to Singapore. Uh, At the same time, he has responsibilities at home. Someone else that I met, he was actually someone who uh, lost his father in April. Uh, This person's name is uh, Dhanabalan, Manibalan. He's 43 and he's a site 
superintendent in a construction company in Singapore. He lost his father in April and he couldn't come because there were no flights. So he would talk to his family and he was just waiting for the day to come home and see the rest of his family. So he was able to do that because again, the cycle of quarantines, he couldn't travel whenever he wanted. So finally, he came only in December and he's been with his family since, but he needs to go back before his uh, S-Pass, which is his permit to work in the in Singapore, before that expires. And he was working on that, but I think a day or two before he got his papers, again, Singapore and India changed their flight. Singapore has uh, made it um, mandatory for people to spend, I think, 21 days in quarantine there, for which these people have to pay, which not all of them can afford. That's a pretty tough and complicated uh, situation to be in, especially with all the paperwork that you're describing. Uh, I recall you mentioned someone called NR2, if I'm remembering that night. So tell us about this person. Did you say he was a poet? He actually very embarrassedly admitted to being a poet. He was much prouder of being a poet when he was away from home in Singapore. NR2 is his pseudonym. That's the name in which he writes his poetry. But when I met this person, he was actually Rangarajan Natarajan. He didn't want to call himself a poet very easily because since he's come to India, he's been unable to write even a single line. I actually heard of Rangarajan Natarajan as someone who was a poet who won the third prize in the first migrant workers poetry competition that was held in Singapore in 2014. And in 2017, a documentary filmmaker called Vishal Daryanomel, he shot with Rangarajan, reading his poetry, mostly about love, about clouds and nature, but also about the nature of immigrant life and the nature of what you miss at home, what you love and hate about living elsewhere. And he, in a poem, you know, for, called Pluses and Minuses of Immigrant Life, he says that this is a pilgrimage that reeks of money. But he also describes Singapore as a place where he is seeing absolute discipline, something so different, and he jokes about it, something so different from the lines uh, for the bus at home. But he's not been able to write much since he's come back because he has a lot of family difficulties. He returned when his wife was pregnant and not very well. And now his priority is his wife and his uh, parents who are old who work in the farm and he works with them now and I could see that he both missed his time abroad but also felt more rooted back home so he said both actually it was both wonderful to be back home and spend time with family but also something was missing something was missing in his life now. So does that sound like he wants to come back? I think he definitely does. Financially, that may, would make sense for him. And also, maybe he's just figuring out where his lines flow, where he's able to write poetry. He thinks of himself less of a construction worker and more as a poet. But right now, he is being a son and a husband and I guess an Indian. And he's trying to figure out where he fits. I'd say I should check with him some months later what he's decided. Okay, Rohini, we'll hear back from you then and uh, have you back on this program once again. Thank you, Rohini. For the benefit of our listeners, if you'd like to read Rohini Mohan's column, please look up the link we have at the description box. You'll also find a link to the stories from other correspondents that we've featured in the letter from the Bureau. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe 
to the Asian Insider podcast channel on your favorite audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. We will be rolling out new programs weekly. See you in the next episode. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.